0: Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Thanks, Andrew. You, that's so encouraging. You are the wind beneath my wings. Uh, Hey, but welcome, everyone. It's so good to see you. Good morning to our uh, online viewers. This is week five of this series we've been in uh, called Best Supporting Role. And like the title says, uh, we've been uh, looking at some of the people behind the main characters in the Bible. We've looked at people like Abigail, Jonathan, uh, Mordecai. Last weekend, Vicki did a really good job uh, looking at Joshua as he supported uh, Moses, and I hope this series has not only been informative, meaning I hope you've heard some stories maybe you're not as familiar with, uh, but also I hope this series has been encouraging. And here's what I mean. We, we really live in a culture where we are enamored with the elite people. We're really, uh, we have a lot of, uh, just a lot of Uh, awe for the superstar, for the lead role, if you will, for that small group, that elite group of people who are really, really good at what they do. I think it's fair to say in our culture, we would pour the majority of our value and praise on a very small, really the minority minority, a very small percentage of our our population. But here's the encouragement. Thankfully, God doesn't see it that way. Uh, In fact, one of the things that I love about God is that he isn't just looking for the elite. He isn't just looking for those who are really good at what they do. What we learned uh, last weekend when Vicky shared, uh, really, who is God looking for? He's looking for the person who's available. He's looking for the person who is, who's obedient. He's looking for the you know, man, woman, uh, young, old, who is willing to say yes to his plans, to the plans that he has for them. Even if those plans don't make sense at the time, Uh, To you or to others. And I think it's fair to say that most times, I would say, my experience is those plans don't make sense to me because I don't see the full picture. And I certainly don't know God's plan uh, fully. And so this is what I'm talking about is super true. Uh, We see this in the life and calling of the person that we're looking at today. Uh, They're one of the more interesting people, one of the more, uh, I guess you could say, strange characters in the Bible. So I'm going to give you a little hint And then uh, later, I'll see if you can guess who we're talking about uh, today. So when I consider the life of this person, it reminds me of one of these insects. Take a look. What is that? It's a mayfly. Is that what you said? (laughs) Let's check the truth meter. Oh, okay. So that's a mayfly. Why would I pick a mayfly? A mayfly has one of, if not the shortest lifespans of any insect. So a female mayfly lays eggs into the water, a stream, a pond. The eggs hatch in a couple weeks and they turn into water nymphs. And those nymphs burrow down in the soil and under the water. And they're going to lie there dormant for like a year. And then, all, then when, they're, when they're, you know, it's the next season comes, they, they burst out of the surface of the water as a flying adult mayfly, which will now live for anywhere from like a few minutes to a couple days. Okay, so within that short time, get this, within that short time, the male mayfly needs to accomplish its life purpose, which is to find a mate uh, and then to mate. And then basically you're done. You die. It's like farewell, mon chéri, you know, sort of, you know. And so now now why would I pick a mayfly thinking about the person? Well, here's why. The person we're looking at this weekend, they're they're born and actually their birth is miraculous. There's a good hint. Uh, they spend the majority of their life hidden. And then when this person does burst upon the scene, they have very limited time to accomplish their life purpose. So it's not Jesus, but any guesses on who it is? Jay the B. John the Baptist. Jay the B. Trying to connect with the with the youth. But you're right, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, super interesting guy, super unique uh, uh, fashion sense. Uh, and he played the supporting role to none other than Jesus. And if you remember, the, the primary goal of the supporting role uh, is to make the lead, really it's to make the lead look as good as possible. And when you look at the short life of John the Baptist, he did that, uh, he did that to a T, he was called John the Baptist, or John, more accurately, John the Baptizer, because baptism was a big part of what, of what he did. But his, his life purpose, his primary life purpose was very specific. He was to be uh, the forerunner for Jesus. He was to go ahead and prepare the way, really in some way to prepare the hearts of the people for Jesus to arrive. Another way to put it is this. John's purpose was to clear the way for the Lord, to prepare the way for the Lord, and to get out of the way of the Lord. And when I consider being a supporting role, I think that really defines it well. And that's what John did. John, John entered the stage, you know, in order to get the stage, the scene, the crowd, I mean, just to get everything ready until Jesus enters the stage. And then John literally just, he just fades away, as once Jesus appears. And something I find interesting about John's life, something just this this week sort of dawned on me, is that this guy lived somewhere around, I don't know, 31, 32 years. John was never married that we know of. He had no children. Uh, We hear nothing of any extended family after after his birth, there's just nothing. Uh, We hear nothing of him uh, owning anything other than the very unique clothing that he wore, uh, he had no official career. He was given the title of rabbi. Uh, and God, you know, think, think about how great John the Baptist was, uh, and yet God did not do one miracle through John the Baptist. When I look at that, I'm like, gee, that's sort of a, kind of a bummer of a life. But, and yet, all the indicators in his life are that this guy lived a joy-filled, very satisfying life. And and what we see in his story is that really all that he accomplished in his life was what he was made to do, what he'd been created to do. And that was to set the stage for others to see, to recognize, and to be introduced to Jesus. And I I find that very interesting because, you know, we live in a world, isn't this true, that we live in a world that has a long list of must-haves if you're going to be satisfied in this life. You must have, you know, you must have money. You must have stuff. You must be married. You must have kids. You must have six-pack abs. Uh, I don't know about that anymore, but in the 80s, that was big. You must be, you know, you must have a fulfilling career. You must, you know, you must have a growing list of accomplishments, notoriety, on and on and on and on, right? All these must-haves. But the life of John would say, ah, actually, that's not true. John would say, you know, those things, yeah, some of those things are cool. And, but all of those things uh, will not satisfy All of those things will always leave you wanting more. But John would say, you know, there is something in this life that truly satisfies, and we see it in this life, which which basically is this, very simple. It's knowing Jesus and making him known. Because, you know, if you know Jesus, the the natural overflow is to make him known. And John would say, you know what? In this life, that alone will truly satisfy you. So a little bit of info about John. Let's pray before we jump in and, and get more into his story. Uh, so let's pray, Lord. Thank you for uh, just for your presence here, and uh, we don't take that for granted. And we we love uh, when you come close to us. And I just off the top, Lord, I say, is that true? Is that true that uh, knowing you, like knowing you, uh, is the best thing we can do in this life? Is the most satisfying thing we can do in this life? Is that true? We confess there's a lot of options in, in this world. But Jesus, would you come close today and, and teach us more about that? Teach us more about uh, what really satisfies, what we're really made for in this life. So we welcome you here in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, hey, so a little bit of information about J the B. I might get some T-shirts made up, but his parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth. His dad was a priest in the temple. And uh, they had no children uh, before John, and they were well along in years. They didn't think they'd have kids, until one day an angel, the angel Gabriel, visits Zechariah and says this to him. Luke 1:13 says this: The angel said, "Your wife Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord." He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So that's what the angel said to his dad and really when you look at what the angel said and I underlined it, You can see that forerunner purpose for John's life, that forerunner calling. In fact, John's purpose was prophesied like 700 years before John uh, was even bored. Two Old Testament prophets, Malachi and Isaiah. Malachi said this about John. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then Isaiah said, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. All of these prophetic words with the angel said, they're all pointing to, to John's purpose uh, in this life. And sure enough, as the angel said, Elizabeth is pregnant. She gets pregnant. Uh, John is born. And, and after John is born, sort of like the, the mayfly uh, story, uh, after he's born, just like a water nymph, he basically disappears, right? And, and so here's what I want to do. I'm going to look at three points regarding John's purpose. The first two are the preparation for his purpose. And then the final one really points to his purpose. So the first one how did God prepare John for his life purpose? Number one is hiddenness. Hiddenness. Um, I think it's accurate to say when you look at John's life that his life purpose was very public, wasn't it? Like this was no behind the scenes uh, calling. He was the forerunner of Jesus. He's sent with a message, a prophetic message to the people of Israel. And, and it looks like John is always shouting. Like even like, how are you today, John? I'm doing great. Like he's always shouting. But really he comes with this message. Get ready. Get ready. He's coming. The chosen one, the one we've been waiting for, the Messiah, our deliverer. He's coming. You must get ready. And now, not only would John's words have stirred the people that heard it, but the fact that there was a prophet, his, the way he dressed, what he said, just screamed, literally, I'm a prophet and I have a word from God, that alone would have stirred the people up a lot. And that's because the period between Malachi and Matthew, the last book of the Old Testament, the first book of the New Testament, it's, that period is known as the intertestamental period. That's a great Scrabble word, a lot of points, I think. And, but the, those, and it's 400 years long right? But it's also known as the 400 silent years. Well, why is it called that? Well, that's because for 400 years, God didn't say a word to his people through a prophet. Now you might be going, well, I don't know. Is that a big deal? I don't know if that's a big deal. Well, let me tell you, that was a big deal to the people of Israel. Because if you consider their entire history is built upon God guiding them and teaching them through prophetic words his words, God's words spoken uh, through prophets. And now there's nothing, silence for 400 years. And, and I think for us, you know, in, in our day to get a sense of, of just what a big deal this was, just imagine the power goes out. And like, you know, in about 15 minutes, you, you know, you've, and you've lost Wi-Fi. In about 15 minutes, you're starting to unravel. How do I know what's going on in the world? What if someone's trying to get a hold of me? I've forgotten how to think for myself. Help me, Siri, Alexa, where are you? You know, it's sort of like, imagine that for 400 years, okay? So how does God get John ready for such a significant and public calling? So after John is born, it says this, Luke 1, verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Now, when I look at that, I go, wait a minute. He lived in the wilderness for like, it wouldn't have been till like 30 or 31 that he, that he went public. And I'm like, he lived in the wilderness for like 30 years? Like, was this guy raised by wolves? Or I mean, or was it kind of like, you know, what was that kid's book, Where the Wild Things Are? Did the parents just let this toddler wander into the woods? Like, hey, go, see you later. Like, like, it's like, it, you know, we, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. Uh, we don't really know exactly what that means. But the word for wilderness, so the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and the word for wilderness is eremos, and it means solitary or desolate. So again, it doesn't clearly tell us what's going on, but we know that that wherever John was during this thirty-year period, let's say, we know that it was solitary, a solitary, desolate wilderness place. Uh, some speculation is that if you consider the story of Samuel, remember the little boy Samuel, who was dedicated to God, he was you know his mom dropped him off at the temple, and the priest raised him and trained him, etc. You know, uh, some people consider, was John maybe dropped off at some desert, you know, the Essenes, or like some of these sort of Jewish monk-like guys to study and grow, but we don't know, and it, and it doesn't tell us. But what we do know is that all throughout the Bible, prior to John and after John, we see God using seasons of hiddenness to prepare people for the work, for the purpose that he has for them in this life. So you have uh, Joseph, you know Joseph ended up being the second in command of this great nation of of Egypt and that was God's plan for Joseph but if you're familiar with the story of Joseph you know talk about hiddenness I mean he went to jail I mean it, that was a long confusing journey to get to where God wanted him to be or consider Moses Moses He's raised up. You know, God's plan is that Moses would deliver the the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And and again, God's plan. So how did God prepare Moses? Hey, Moses, you're gonna go to the middle of nowhere for 40 years and be a shepherd. Or or in the New Testament, you've got uh, Paul. Remember, Paul has this life-changing encounter where God knocks him off his horse or his donkey. I'm not sure what what he was riding at the time. But it's in Acts 9. And basically, God comes to Paul and he says, hey, Paul, I'm sending you to be my, you know, my voice, my, I'm sending you to preach to the Gentile world. But first, Paul, I want you to go off the grid to some town named Tarsus for 14 years. And I'm like, what, why would God do that? Like, why would he, why, why would he use hiddenness in our lives? Like, what, what, what would he be trying to accomplish? And before I address that, let me just, I, I guess, make it more personal. Like, have you ever felt Hidden? I don't know if that word hidden, that might be a hard word, but have you ever felt like passed over or invisible or forgotten? Like at work, you're working, working, working. And it's like, does anyone see me? Does my, like, like why, is I, why am I always passed by? You know, or at school, like, you know, you're not popular or you like just that sense of, or, or in, in your family, you're, your, you know, your extended family, in your marriage. Like, do you ever feel hidden, forgotten, maybe by people or maybe even by God? Like you're, you're hidden from him. Like, I don't understand what's going on in all those, let's call them hard places, those places of hiddenness, uh, etc. But here's something that I do know is true about if you're in any of those places, uh, it's this. uh, Look at this quote. We can be hidden from the masses, insignificant to others, but we are never hidden from or insignificant to God. And that's something, you know, uh, we don't know where John was, but what we do know, and God has promised that whatever we go through in this life, that he will never leave us. And so what we do know about John is that wherever he was in this solitary, desolate wilderness place for years and years, we know that God was with him. John 5, 17 says, Jesus, my father is always at work. We know that God was working in his life, a preparatory uh, work. And I believe it's the same thing for you and for me. It's the same for us. Some counsel, some words that I've heard myself say a lot in the last year uh, to people, obviously, but, but even to myself, uh, uh, especially for people who are in uh, forgotten, hidden places. Uh, I, I've heard myself say this a lot. Hey, uh, have you invited God into that hard place? Have you invited God into that hidden place, that, that forgotten place? And really that question or counsel is driven by one of my favorite Bible verses, Proverbs 3, 5 uh, to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And I think that's, that's, that's a really smart thing to do. Like, it, like to, to invite God, to invite him into these places. Because, you know, I am convinced that discovering God in hard places, here's, why, here's where I think God uses hiddenness. Discovering God in hard places helps in a deeper way than just getting out of that hard place. Because, because it builds an inner strength that is built not on circumstances, but rather built on Him." Listen to this quote. This is a great quote: "In seasons of hiddenness, our sense of value is disrupted, stripped of what others affirmed us to be. In this season, God intends to give us an unshakable identity in him that no amount of adoration nor rejection can alter." Like, I don't know who this Alicia lady is, but wow that is That is a great quote, because isn't that what we all long for that, um, that you know that, that, that longing for someone stronger to carry to hold like sort of like ballast you know in the bottom of a sailboat that keeps that sailboat boat in the storm from flipping over like we all long for it maybe that's why you said yes to Jesus in the first place because I need someone stronger because i I keep getting wiped out in the storm and I, and I, you know and, and I see that so much in that quote and unfortunately though. You can't get that. You can't find that strength, that unshakable identity. You can't get it just by reading the latest book or going to a conference or something. You actually have to, the only way you're gonna get it is it's a lifetime of inviting God into the hard places and discovering him in those places. That's where that unshakable identity is built and formed in us. So our part is to invite him in, into that hiddenness. And his part is to reveal himself to us in those places. So back to John the text doesn't tell us where he was, but I think it gives us a really good indication of, of what was going on during this desolate wilderness time. There's two verses regarding John. First, the angel said this in Luke 1.15 about what was going on. It says, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. That's an indicator. And then uh, again, Luke 1.80, and the child grew and became strong in the spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So why I'm drawing on these two verses is like, hey, wait a minute. The angel made a big deal out of the fact that the the, the spirit filling John even in the womb. And then it's repeated by Luke who wrote this gospel. It really, what Luke is saying is that the primary activity of this wilderness time was was for him to become strong in the spirit. And so when I look at that, I go, hey, we should probably pay attention to them pointing that out to us. So then the second point, very simple, Holy Spirit training. Right again, we don't, know, we don't know specifically what the training consisted of, but I think it's fair to say in this hidden time, it says that John became strong in the spirit. Preparation for his life purpose. So that tells us that that means for him and that means for us, that for you and I to fulfill our life purpose that God has for us, it means that we too need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we too, too need to become strong in the Spirit. And when I think of what does that mean to become strong in the Spirit, I don't think it means that we become Jedis, right? Oh, watch this one. You know, it's sort of like, but, but I think it, it, it's really, it's relational language. Becoming strong in the Spirit is that you are growing more and more in, in a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You're growing more and more in an awareness of his presence and an awareness of his, of his activity. That's one of the reasons why in the vineyard from day one, uh, since the start of this movement, we pray a simple three-word prayer over and over, which is come. you're Yeah. Come, Holy Spirit. Because think about it. Here we are gathered. It's 934, in case you're wondering. I'm watching it. But like... If Holy Spirit, if you don't move in this room, nothing's going to happen. Like we haven't gathered together for a show. Like, I hope you enjoy the talk. I hope you in, you know, the music stirs you. Uh, but, we, like, like, but, but what's needed in this room, the life change that's needed. Sorry, i got nothing for you. I can't do that. Come Holy Spirit. If you, if you don't move in this room, Nothing's going to happen. Nothing, nothing, no life change. Nothing of substance. And so we pray that over and over. Come Holy Spirit. And I remember the church that I was raised in, it was a pretty conservative church. But I never, I don't remember ever being taught about the Holy Spirit. I know my parents are watching, so we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I can see my dad, wait a minute, wait a minute. But, uh, um, sorry, I got very distracted there. I just, but, but, um we were, always taught, we were always taught about God, the Father and the Son. It's the Father and the Son, the Father and the Son, which is great, that is great, but, but it's, not the full, it's not fully accurate in the sense that like God, the biblical revelation, how God has revealed himself, he's revealed himself as one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, and, um, as I got into my teen years, I used to sort of think of any church that focused on the Holy Spirit, like the Vineyard, I used to sort of put them in a category of, I don't get those guys, you know, more charismatic, like, you guys just stay over there, you know? and But then one day, again, as a teenager, I read a passage that just blew off the page. Jesus said this to his followers, John 16. But very truly, I tell you, Jesus said, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, Jesus, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And when I read that as a young man, I was like, wait a minute. This whole thing of inviting and welcoming the Holy Spirit, that's not just some keep it over there, charismatic, strange thing. But this is a right smack in the middle, biblical Jesus thing. Jesus is saying to us, "I want you to invite the Holy Spirit. Right? That's my plan for you to invite the Holy Spirit, for Him to come and fill you, to empower you, to to you know walk out your life purpose. And you know when I look at the life of John, you know he's born, he's hidden for like thirty years uh, in the wilderness, and then he bursts on the scene for not a very long time. And some of the commentaries say." that the duration of John's ministry was either from as little as three months, which I find very hard to believe, up to as many as 30 months. But either, either way, it was a short period of time. And basically his purpose was, again, forerunner of Jesus. It's like, John, John, when, when you get on the scene, I want, you're gonna draw a crowd, John. But as soon as you see Jesus, I want you to help the people recognize him. I want you to point him out and go, there he is, there he is. There's the one you need to follow. You need to follow him. And even in the womb, consider this, Holy Spirit training. Even in the womb, six months old. Again, I, I was thinking about just, we don't talk about this a lot, but just our pro-life stance as a church. That we, we support, we, we stand for pro-life from the from conception to the grave. Because here's a six-month, little, tiny, little boy that where, where the Holy Spirit was already preparing John for his life purpose, to recognize Jesus. And there's this amazing story where Elizabeth is now six months pregnant, a miracle. Mary is now pregnant, newly pregnant, another miracle. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. Listen to this. At that that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, hey, Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Like that's crazy. Even in the womb, the Holy Spirit, working in this little forming boy's life, John was already able to recognize and celebrate the presence of Jesus. And and really, he's walking out his purpose already, even in the womb, to help others recognize the presence of Jesus. Because you look, his mother became aware of the presence of Jesus and was filled with the Spirit after John gave that leaping signal in, in her womb. And you know, this is very simple but but I think when when we look at this cool story I I think this really is what it means. This is a great picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this world. It means, you know, that that it's 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 like it's it's recognizing him and then helping others recognize him. And I I am convinced part of the Holy Spirit's training, part of the Holy Spirit's work in your life and in my life is to help us become more and more aware of the presence of Jesus. And and again, and and then training us how to help others become aware of the presence of Jesus, Holy Spirit training. And and this is where, this is my final point. This is where we see John shine the brightest in, in, in his supporting role. Again, first two points are preparation. Now we really see his purpose. Number three is this, it's kingdom signposts. Kingdom signposts. John's life purpose, again, prepare the way for Jesus, draw a crowd and then point him out to the crowd. And when you look at John's life, God so prepared him and empowered him to do this because the moment he steps on the scene, very quickly, John just, it's like overnight, he becomes, he's trending. Like overnight, overnight, John is crazy popular. People from Jerusalem, all around Judea, they're all going out into the wilderness, out to the Jordan, you know, uh, to see John, to hear him, to get baptized. And it's like thousands of people are going to see this guy. He was so popular so quickly that many of the people, even some of the religious leaders were like asking this question. Could this be the Messiah? Is this the coming Messiah? Is this the guy that we've, we've waited for all this time? And I wonder, I wonder in John's life, let me try to jump into John's uh, camel clothes or whatever, okay, forget that. But, but into his Birkenstocks. Let me stand in his Birkenstocks for a second. Like, I wonder in this place, at this point of his life, I wonder if John, after all that hiddenness, even strong in the spirit, I wonder if John was at all tempted at this moment to to sort of stop for a second and go, you know, I'm a little tired of being a supporting role. Look at all these people. It feels good to be the lead. It feels good. I mean, everyone's lined up. Everyone's, everyone wants to get a selfie with, with me. And, and, and it's like, You know, I wouldn't blame him. John was only a man, just like, he's just a human, just like you, just like me. And I know part of the human condition is that uh, even we can resist the plans of the Holy Spirit, can't we? Which just is amazing to me. But thankfully, John stays the course. And again, this is where he shines the brightest as a supporting role. Listen, I'm gonna end with uh, some scriptures. Listen to these, what I would call kingdom signpost responses, where John points to Jesus. John 1.19 says, <clears throat> now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess. He did not fail to point, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, nope, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, nope. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling. I am the signpost in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, the Pharisees who had been sent, the religious leaders, questioned him, well, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And he really doesn't answer the question. He just says, well, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. Again, he's pointing. He is the one who comes after me the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Here's another kingdom signpost response. John 1.35, the next day, John was there again, sitting with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he couldn't resist. He said, look, there he is. Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. John just lost two followers. And then here's the Oscar-worthy scene in my, in my humble opinion where I think John shines the brightest where he is, he's just an amazing signpost. Listen to this, John three twenty-five. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, they're talking about Jesus, the one you testified about, Look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. They're so upset. Oh no, John, your stock is dropping. To this, John replied, you guys, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You and I, we can only do what God's given us to do in this life. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. I am a signpost. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom, the best man waits and listens for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. Think back to when he was in the womb. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must increase, and I must decrease. And decrease he did, because like days or maybe weeks after this very statement, John's thrown into prison by a you know pretend king Herod, uh, and very soon after that he's executed. He's done, life purpose complete. Um, Let me let me land the plane here. Why don't we have the worship team come back? Here's here's just a thought. Here's like an applicable thought, I guess. John has set a very high bar for you and I when it comes to being, you know, a kingdom signpost. John was very aware that everything about his life—I mean, everything about his life—was meant to, to be a signpost. It Was meant to point to the destination. And the destination, it was, it was Jesus. The destination wasn't his fulfillment. It wasn't him, you know, having all his dreams come true and all, all those things. No, the destination was he was pointing uh, to Jesus. When I look at this, I think if this is true, if this is what it means to be a Christian, how might this truth impact our lives? Like, Tomorrow we're going to get up go to work and, uh, you know, or getting ready for school or just all the stuff we're doing. But like, just consider this, How, like consider all the abilities, all the opportunities, all the resources that we have, all the time that we have, all the influence, the positions that we, we've been given in this life. Here's the question. How might you and I use those more as a signpost rather than a destination of our own fulfillment? Does that make sense? Like, how might we use those things to, to point people to Jesus, all that we've been given in this life to be, to be a signpost? And, you know, that might be a good thing. I said this earlier. That might be a good thing. Hey, have you considered inviting Jesus, inviting God into that, into that place? Because this might be a good prayer to pray or, uh, you know, to come Holy Spirit. Come, come be stronger in me. Come guide me, teach me, empower me to do my life purpose. to to follow the example of John as a a kingdom signpost. We're going to stop there. Uh, We're going to take communion together. Why don't we stand up? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org.